You made it. And here's the thing. Alex Apple sitting in for the hitman today. This is, this is a sacred day when it comes to the fall, and let me explain why. It's the first full week of the football trinity alignings. People can go to a high school game tonight. They can go to a college game tomorrow. They can go to an NFL game on Sunday. So this is, if you are a football fan, and we have things, we have ways of knowing that many of you are out there, this doesn't get any better. Oh, I mean, it's, no. even, it's even almost kind of cool in the air, Alex. I mean, if Ron Slay came on the air last Thursday and sang Rocky Top about three times, I'll start <laughs> three of the Titans had a, a, a you know, song, I'd sing it. I mean, I am. this is as excited as I've been as a fan and for this city for this football trinity uh, as, that I've been in a long time. I mean, I can't wait to watch the Titans play and answer some questions that we all have on Sunday. Uh, I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. What a show to get to fill in for. What, I mean, I, uh, Blaine uh, is doing me a favor uh, being out today because it is a great day to be in. Welcome everybody who's on Zone TV or listening on the Zone app or who's listening on the, the actual radio, however you're choosing to consume it. Today's a special day, too. It's We do this a show every year with our friends with the Nashville Police Department, the Davidson County Sheriff's Office, and the Nashville Fire Department. They get together and they do, and you probably covered this when you were a news reporter. This uh, place is packed. For Fox 17. They're calling it this year Remembering the Badges in honor of 911. But it's called the Battle of the Badges, and our local heroes, and I know this, everywhere I go, people in, in uniform, they tell me, we listen to your show, we listen to The Zone all day and all night when working. We love you guys. We appreciate you so much. They're partnering today with the Tennessee Titans and Ascension St. Thomas, and I know our good friends at Two Rivers Ford are making it possible for us to be here today, but they've already had donated today. 2,646 pints of blood. And the goal was 3,000. It's only 1 o'clock. So they're That's going, a pretty good start. They're going to surge past <laughs> that. But if you would like to give blood, if you would like to participate, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, is, is, is the time limit. Cornerstone Church in Madison in the lobby, 726 West Old Hickory Boulevard. So if you're coming up, watch I-65. As soon as you exit into Madison, the church is right here. You can't miss it. Nope. It's a huge church. It is a giant church. It's like. Six flags over Jesus. It's gigantic. And I think it's neat that they're trying to do 3,000 pints of blood, which I just said. But the reason they're doing that, I think, at least I was told this, it sounds good to me, was to honor that many victims uh, of 9-11. Okay. Uh, you know, which, uh, is that not hard to believe that that's been 20 years? Well, and you were telling me earlier, you were in fourth grade. I was getting yeah. ready to go do a sales meeting at Cry Like in Mount Juliet when all that happened. I was in the fourth grade, and my teacher had worked in the Twin Towers the year before. It was her first year at Oak Hill School over on Franklin Road, and first Presbyterian Church. Fourth grade, it was a weird, but they didn't tell us at school. So, I mean, I was like probably one of the last Americans to find out. You oh know, 3 gosh. o'clock, my dad picked me up. He never did. But you can't, remember, you can't forget that day. And, and I think I'm one of the youngest people that has a really lucid memory of that day. Uh, you know, 20 years shows you how fast 20 years goes by. It sure does. Um, and I know it. when I drove downtown for years after that, this is just, I've never said this on the air before. I could not look up at the buildings. Interesting. It took me yeah. years before I could look up. I, I looked just right at the road. When I got anywhere close to downtown Nashville, Memphis, when I would go back to Arkansas, if I went yeah. to a city, I could not look at the buildings. Well, and I still will catch a plane flying over. And you know when I do it sometimes is at Titans games. 
Yeah. If there's a plane that just strikes me as low, yep. that's always the first thing that comes to my mind. It was actually at the last preseason game, a plane flew over, and it just struck me as that's really close to the stadium. I don't feel like you usually see them that close. It shows you the impact of that. Thing. I thought that this morning, walking my dog, a plane flew yeah. a little bit low. So, yeah. so it changed all of us in a lot of ways. Now, it tightened the bond of this country. Like, no question. Like, I don't know if I've seen in my lifetime, except, and you won't know this because you're too young, after the U.S. Olympic hockey team won the Olympics in 1980, yeah, miracle on ice. people literally, like, walked outside in their yard and hugged their neighbor. I, I, and I'm old enough to remember yeah. that. Well, you know, what, you know what amazes me about tra- tragedy, and you see it all the time, and if you ever, you know, look for something good in a tragedy, it's hard to do. Gosh, talking about 9-11. When the worst of humanity hit strikes, right, we saw it there on that day. You also see the best. I mean, the coverage that you'll see on TV of people doing heroic things this weekend just brings you back to a time when the country was united. Now we are so often at each other's throats. That's one of the reasons why I love football. It takes you for three hours. You sit in that stadium, and you're all on the same page. 9-11, we were all on the same page after that. It's amazing. It's powerful. Well, and that's... You and I have really never talked about the philosophy of a radio show, but you fill in a lot with me when Blaine's not here. For two hours a day, Blaine and I have talked about this a lot. We don't want people to worry about anything. Yeah, We just want them to have a, a place to come here, and, and this is about the heaviest discussion we've ever had on <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, this would be the tops, yeah. We, we want people to just come here and laugh and carry on with us, and if they want to call in on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline or they want to text us or, well, I mean, I guess our friends can text If they want to yeah. tweet us, I mean. Sure. We just want people to have a great time and enjoy themselves and forget about everything that's going in the world. But uh, today and every day, we remember, we send all of our good thoughts and everything we've got to people who were affected by what happened that day on a personal level. And um, again, today, remembering the badges, not battle of the badges. Come by, donate blood. They've got snacks, and it's just a, it, it's a, such a cool thing, and you can say hello and say thanks to all those People from, again, Metro Nashville Police, Davidson County Sheriff's Office, Nashville Fire Department. These are literally the people who keep us safe. And then, no they, and then they come and they almost, all of them come and give. Well, you know what they say, and this is especially true of first responders, and should be for everyone else. You give 100% at everything that you do, yeah. except for when you're giving blood. Yep. Hold a little back when you're giving blood. <laughs> well, we appreciate them for having us again. Thanks to uh, Two Rivers Ford for letting us come out here. Mike Vrabel is set to speak soon. I know Lucas is monitoring that. We're Almost at the end of this segment, we do have guest Buck Rising is going to join us in the second segment. Here's what we know today. Um, I saw this from, from several people. I think Jim Wyatt, uh, John Glenn, and several people tweeting this out. Not practicing today, David Long and Tommy Hudson. Both of those guys mispracticed. Tommy Hudson, a, a, a tight end who's a little bit down the depth Could chart. Could play a small role. He's been a good story here. Certainly, as a backup tight end, you play yeah. a, a boatload of special teams. You know, you, you do a lot of tasks on special teams. David Long has, and, and we'll see what's wrong, and I'm sure we'll find out, um, but he didn't practice today. A.J. and Julio both practice, and Josh Reynolds, so the receiving core looks good. David Long is one of, and there's just so many ways you can peel the onion of a football season, but you're always kind of looking at guys, Alex, and you're thinking, who's got something at stake this year? And is he next? Is, is he the next guy to step up into this linebacker rotation? It feels like it's all set up for him to do that. They don't. Didn't really spend much draft capital on him. Hasn't cost him a ton of money. But he could be in line for a contract that keeps him here for the, the next several years. Maybe it's he and Jayon. 
Rashawn Evans is also a free agent. Yeah. Um, Monty Rice is in the equation, the rookie. But David Long really stands to have a chance to submit himself as a long-term, and you can take that for whatever you want to take it as an NFL starter, three right. to five years is really right. it's a pretty long time in this league. David Long's got a real chance to submit a legacy for him and, and to submit a second contract. I'll be interested to see what happens with him going forward. Does he get in the game on Sunday? Where does he stand? Because... This is a dude who could have a future here. Well, and I think that this is a big game for the linebackers. I think that you're going to see. Now, you, yeah. you consider your opponent. The Cardinals ran 10 personnel, which is four wide receivers with one back and zero tight ends 20% of the time last year, the most in the NFL. What does that tell you? The Titans are going to be a nickel and dime a ton in their sub packages. Jayon Brown is a good coverage linebacker. He's going to be in there a lot. Yeah. It's not, this is a game that's more for Jayon than it is for Sean Evans. One of the big things you need to see from David Long is Howes' coverage. That guy can play the run. He's got a nose for the ball. But you can't get sucked up on play action every single time. When Jam Brown went out last year, the Titans struggled with that. It was a problem with their defense. It's going to be a big game for Jayon Brown and the defensive backs. And the Titans have Jack Rabbit, Christian Fulton, and then who? And you're going to probably play three and four corners a lot. Is it going to be Caleb Farley? Does he have a role yet? Is it Elijah Molden in the slot? That's my guess. But it could also be Chris Jackson or Breon Borders. I mean, this is a game where those guys are going to get a great test because of the opponent they're playing. We got into this yesterday, and again, we'll, we'll take a break in just a minute, and Buck Rising will join us in the next segment. We'll, we'll, get, we'll just keep this going with him. Do you know, I, I gave this number yesterday. Do you know how many games the rookies played last year as a total class? I've heard this, and it's one of the least in the league. I think it was second least in the league. Of the rookie class, sit, uh, twelve. It was thirty-three. Thirty-three, but, that, but that's but total that's individual games from each individual player. Twenty-one of those came from Laurel Murchison and Chris Jackson. That's uh, I should have thought of Chris Jackson too. Murch played, played ten. Season. Jackson played eleven. Twenty-one wow. of the thirty-three games came from those two cats. The afterthoughts of yeah. that draft. Yeah, and Chris Jackson was the last guy they drafted, and, and this year Dylan Radens has yet to compete for a spot at the position he was drafted. Right tackle. Where they, they don't even have a starter. Three journeymen, and he's not in the mix. Caleb Farley, who we all know could be great as every physical tool that you could have, but we don't know yet even what his role would be. Now, maybe that gets better and better, that situation along the way. Monty Rice. Well, the point of all of this is what worries you most about the Titans this year. If I asked you that, what would you say? A lot of it is the lack of depth. Depth. Yes. Yes, exactly. Okay. It's depth. Yes. I mean, and these guys have to play a role. Because you, you, let's say there's a repeat of last year. It's like 33 games, 40 games, 50 games. The Titans are in trouble. You're not going to stay healthy the whole year. And I think they're paper thin at a lot of positions where you need to elevate some of these guys, especially on rookie contracts. It's how you stay under the salary cap, just had a flat cap, uh, and make them meaningful contributors. That's a huge thing at stake. Might be the biggest thing that I'm watching when we go into the Titans season this year. And the thing about rookies, especially like if you have a quarterback on his rookie contract, that's like manna from heaven for an NFL You, should, cap you need manager. to win a Super Bowl. you got to win then. Yeah. And the other thing is, if you just have a lot of key quality backups, your first, second, third-year guys, and last year's class, Christian Fulton, heck, he's going to be a starter from the jump. But Laurel Murchison's still kind of a bit guy. Yep. Um, Needs to play a role. Jack, Jackson's going to have to play a role. Um Darrington Evans should be playing a role, but bulky, you know, soft tissue is, 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 yeah. yeah. So they essentially have 
this year's rookie class and last year's rookie class, it would be great to see those guys get healthy, get involved, and really contribute to this team from a depth And even with David Long, I know we got to go to break, even with David Long maybe missing the game, you're seeing the Titans at basically 100% in this game. Yeah. Might be the only time you see it all season. I'm going to find some wood to knock on here. Yep, all right. Alex, yeah, Apple, right. Knock on for Blade. metal plastic. Buck Rising is set to join us next. We'll keep the Titans talk going. Also, anytime we're talking today, you want to talk about Vols, Titans, you want to talk about Vanderbilt, whatever you want to talk about, your team, it's your Friday. It is your show. 615-737-1045 will get you in on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. Buck Rising next. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Some Friday vibes right there. Alex Apple sitting in for the hit man, Blaine Bishop, with the Remembering the Badges annual blood donation drive at the American Red Cross Cornerstone Church in Medicine, 726 West, Old Hickory Boulevard. Please come by if you are able, make a blood donation. You can literally, you can literally sit and eat crackers while you save lives. Oh, I'm a big giving blood guy, too. I do it every two months. Now, I'm not scheduled. It's only been 45 days. You have to wait like 60, I think it is. Otherwise, I'd be down there. I mean, now, I also have iron-rich blood, so it's good for me to give blood. Okay. Um, but, hey, you can get used to it. Let me attest to that for you. Give it enough, it'll be just fine. Well, there you go. Don't uh, be scared of it. Buck Rising, I'm sure he is iron-rich blood. He joins us every <laughs> Friday, brought to you by Two Rivers Ford, home of the non-commissioned salespeople. Heck, Two Rivers Ford are the reason that we are here today. We are very thankful to them, thankful to catch up with Buck. Buck, we started the show with this. It's like this is like a magical weekend in the calendar year because it's the first weekend you have a high school game on Friday and a college game on Saturday and a pro game on Sunday. For us football people, this is a pretty special day. Yeah. It's a big deal. I mean, I am uh, I'm incredibly excited. I have been I don't know if it's just because the football was so good last night or because I just want the NFL to be back. I really enjoyed last night's game as much as I have any regular season opener as I have in quite some time. So, now with the Titans uh coming back as well, it's full go as far as the work calendar is concerned and uh college football fans can rejoice because the Vols are back as well. It's all good stuff. We're talking about this in the first segment of the show today, and it's something that's come up, and I'm, I'm sure it's something you've talked about as well. The Maybe the lack of depth with this team, especially at some positions. How how concerned are you with an overall lack of depth with the Tennessee Titans? Um, Overall, not really. I mean, like I think their offensive line depth sucks. Um, corner, I think they're pretty good, even if Farley's not ready to go. I think their outside linebacker, like, edge rushing group is as good as it's been. I don't know what Monty Rice is, but David Long, and reportedly he's out according to Mike Vrabel, David Long being out kind of affects their depth that way at inside linebacker. So if Monty Rice is to see action, one would imagine it's coming up here pretty quickly. But, yeah, I think I feel pretty good about their depth outside of the offensive line. Buck Rising, our guest, uh, as he is every Friday on this show. Buck, Do you have a read on who is going to be the right tackle? How much does that really matter in the grand scheme of the Titans' game plan? It's not a and read. And then we were all, and Mike Vrabel just said it's David Questenberry. So okay, good, because right we weren't tackle. listening to him. Okay, so David Questenberry. That actually surprises me a little bit. But regardless, let me also ask you about the cornerbacks. The Titans are probably going to face uh, 20% or more of 10 personnel this weekend. That is the Cardinals playing with four wide receivers if they do what they did last year. Cliff Kingsbury usually does year to year. The Titans' third and fourth corners in the nickel and dime probably going to play a lot. Uh, how much do you think Caleb Farley will have a role? And if it's not him, who do you anticipate being a key contributor in this one? 
So we can only go by what they tell us right now. And what they're telling us right now is Kayla Farley's still trying to find his role within this secondary. So I don't imagine we see a ton of Caleb Farley, but yeah, if, if we're to work off what last year's precedent was, they do like to run a lot of, uh, a lot of 10 personnel, a lot of four, four wide receiver sets. So I think Breon borders who played a lot of outside corner for them uh, in the last season when injury required that they do. So I think you'll probably see Breon. I think you'll probably see Chris Jackson. They seem to favor him slightly over Elijah Molden in the, in the, uh, in the slot situation. So in nickel, I bet you see Chris Jackson. Elijah Molden, I don't know how you can keep him off the field, but for whatever reason, they were going to start him in the slot before Tampa Bay, which was, of course, Elijah Molden's breakout game. And then, again, the depth chart is put out before this particular game, and they say that Chris Jackson is, again, their starting slot. So, I, I mean, I guess I have to go, again, by what they're saying, but I would think that it would be difficult to keep Elijah Molden off the field unless for some reason he's inhibited by something. And he's not on the injury report, so he shouldn't be. Buck Rising, our guest here on Blaine and Mickey. Last year, the rookie class played 33 games. This year, a fourth-round pick got cut. Um, if Racy McMath plays, it'll be you know as a gunner on special teams. Brady Breeze goes from one list of not being on the team to the other. We don't really know what Monty Rice is. Uh, Dylan Radens didn't compete with three journeymen for a starting job at the position he was p- predicted to play. We don't know what Caleb Farley's role is going to be yet. It's kind of interesting just how things have started for this rookie class, and really Caleb Farley has played better than any of them. And as you just said, really not sure exactly where he is in the pecking order with Chris Jackson. Yeah, I, and I assume you meant Elijah Molden. They're not Elijah Caleb Farley. Elijah Molden, yes. But I think that, listen, they're slow playing their rookies again. Like, this is something that has become a bit of a trend for them. Um, is that just organizational strategy? I don't know that it's organizational strategy. I'm sure they'd like the draft picks to play as soon as humanly possible, but it's born out of necessity. Like, if the draft picks can't go and you feel like they're going to be a liability as opposed to the veteran, get them the hell out of the way and play the veterans. Like, I I, I don't think it's good. I don't know that it's outright bad yet. All I know is you don't want to have to handhold any more than absolutely necessary now that the games count. And if you're having to hold the hand of the rookies right now where your draft pick at right tackle is actually a backup guard and your corner uh, in the first round hasn't played really corner for more than a year and for the last two he hasn't really played football. So if that's what you're working with, then get the guys who can play right now and don't test it with somebody like DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray sitting back there waiting to pick you apart. Buck, let me ask you about corralling or capturing a quarterback, Kyler Murray, as the Shane Bowen, some of the players have mentioned this week, instead of killing him, I think was their quote. Uh, but what does that look like? Explain for the fans that will watch this on Sunday. What does that look like from a practical standpoint? Do you change the way you rush off the edge? Kind of explain what a common fan should be looking for if they want to understand that. I mean, it's contained, basically. So you're going to have... You're going to have your interior pressure. You're going to have the outside guys there to clean him up if he tries to make a move outside the pocket, assuming that you can run with him, and most people can't. Um, you'll see maybe a little wider splits from the, whether you want to call them defensive linemen or edge rushers, whatever you consider them to be in a particular defensive front. I'm sure you'll see a couple of different looks. But more than anything, it's about, it's not even a formational thing. It's just about don't over pursue because he'll burn you if you make a wrong move 
and you don't have him wrapped up. It's not about lighting Kyler Murray up as fun as it might be for 6'4 Jeffrey Simmons to want to blow up the dude who is by, I think, anybody's real estimation, 5'9", but in the Cardinals, uh, Cardinals on the Cardinals' official website, he's 5'10 and one-eighths <laughs> inch, which, all right, whatever. Uh, instead of, you know, blasting him to the moon, just make sure that you bring him to the ground because if you don't, he's going to kill you. Buck, what other games are you going to be watching this weekend? Uh, Browns-Chiefs at 325 caught my eye, but uh, any other marquee matchups you'll be tuning into? What do you mean? I'm assuming, at- you ca- assuming you have the ability to look away from uh, your work on Sunday. I'm sitting in a press box, buddy. They don't change the channel in there. <laughs> okay, well, which outcome will you be most interested to look at? Uh, probably Colts-Seahawks because they'll play the Seahawks next week, and the Colts, obviously, those two games will be def- decided before November 1st because of the way that they structured the schedule this year, which is odd. So that probably is the one with the most imminent implications given that they'll go to Seattle and then host Indianapolis in week three. Well, I'll just stick with the Colts for a second. Uh, I don't know what Carson Wentz might still be good at at this point in his football career. He was obviously good at, at healing because they gave a five to 12 week window and here we go week one. It seems like that rascal's ready to go. Well, not just seems like they've announced him as the starter. So yeah. I, uh, I think that, I mean, listen, I think Carson Wentz stinks. So whatever whatever they get out of him this year, if it's to, with a positive effect, I think that's gravy. But until such time as I see Carson Wentz not be the worst starting quarterback in football, I'm going to continue to believe that he is. Why do you think people, there's this perception that Ballard is just the greatest thing since bread ever got sliced. And John Robinson has more playoff wins, more everything, higher winning percentage. Mike Vrabel has more wins and more playoff wins than Frank Reich. Yet people look at Indy like they're doing everything correctly. Heck, they haven't won a conference championship even in years. I haven't won the division, I think, since 2014. So, like, in, Division, and yes. And it's uh, with, with the Texans and the Titans kind of having a little bit of an edge over them in that span. I mean, listen, Chris Ballard drafts uh, well more often than not. Uh, their quarterback situation has been kind of funky with Andrew Luck retiring abruptly. And then having to deal with a year of Jacoby Brissett and then Philip Rivers washed at the end, which breaks my heart because I love him so very much. And now a broken quarterback in Carson Wentz. I, I mean, I, you know, it comes down to why, why, the, why the Colts, the, the darlings in the AFC South by everybody who's not in Tennessee because people, more people watch the Colts than watch the Titans and more people pay attention to the Colts and pay attention to the Titans. And so nobody actually knows what the Titans are doing until such time as their team has to face them the AFC playoff picture because they keep hanging around in the playoff picture much to the Colts chagrin so you know maybe at some point that changes I don't know how you fix the optics on it but the optics are what they are and that's always been in favor regardless of whether it's the Texans or the Titans competing at a higher level in the division uh, people just gravitate towards the Colts more and it's funny you say that the perception of the Titans I like Harry Douglas thinks they're going to win the Super Bowl I saw one of the ESPN announcers, they did that. If you take the Chiefs away, who will win the Super Bowl? And, and, and that person picked the Titans. And then there are other people who don't even have them making the playoffs. You consider them merely an, an afterthought, really. I wonder why the national perception of this team is the way it is of some people thinking, oh, it's a great team. And others think, nah, they're, they're not going to do anything. Well, the difference is the set of people that probably pick them to do well are actually watching the games. The rest of them aren't. I mean, You know, I can't, I cover one team and it's a pain in my ass every day. It's a great job, (laughs) but it's a lot of work. So much less to know everything about 32 other teams or 31 other teams, it's impossible. So, you know, always take with a grain of salt what you see 
on these on these talk shows where you're expected to know everything. It's physically not possible, mentally not possible to everybody for everybody to have an, a firm grasp on the entirety of the league. Uh, and you know the Titans are uh, are not a big television draw, and for until re- really last year, or and I guess the 2019 2020 postseason didn't play an exciting brand of football. So I don't blame them if you're looking for places that you got to prioritize. You know you're going to have to talk about the Dallas Cowboys when first take comes on on Monday morning. You know that the Titans are probably not coming up. Sans Julio Jones. I don't, I don't know what it's worth, but I noticed Madden put out the most popular team year over year. The Titans were the biggest riser. People want to play with Julio Jones and Derrick Henry, I guess. Um, but give us a little something before you go uh, that Vols fans can either mock or love. What do you expect from the Orange this weekend against Pittsburgh? I'll probably lose, but, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I think that, um, you know, I would, like, I would love to see growth and development from the quarterback, but if they had all offseason to do it and he's still throwing from the pocket flat-footed, I don't know what reasonable expectation for him there is. They're probably going to have their best running back out in Tyon Evans. I think that we'll, we'll see how much they stick with the run game if the passing game kind of goes the way that it did in the second quarter. But, yeah, I think you're, you're, you're competing at the same level in theory as a team like Pitt, even if they're probably a little better than you at this immediate moment. So if you get that win, then you can start to, you can start to figure out, okay, we can have legitimate expectations and promise in Josh Heupel. And if they lose, then it's just, you know, same old Vols. And uh, at, what point, at what point do we care or stop caring about the season? Buck Rising, our guest, uh, 104.5 The Zone, A to Z Sports. You can hear him in a whole lot of different platforms uh, all over your radio and your computer. So as we start this season, obviously the whole defense got overhauled. Um, The offense has some new faces as well. Most of the offensive line returns, Henry, Tannehill, uh, a lot of the guys are back. If you just look at this roster, you look at last year's roster at the same time, obviously you never know how things are going to go. You think this team is more talented or less talented it was than it was this time last year? More talented, um, yeah, probably. I mean, they're you know, there's no question they're more talented on defense. the The defense was just outright awful, uh, and the talent drop off after Jadavion Clowney and Vic Beasley, who turns out themselves have maybe a degree of talent between them, but individually, it wasn't anything special. So I think Bud Dupree is an upgrade. I think Jack Rabbit is an upgrade, even as fun as and as well as Malcolm Butler did play over the course of the season. I think that Dory Jackson, they clearly didn't look at him as any kind of essential. So I, I can't evaluate him as well as they can, obviously, but they thought that they were getting a bit of a, a, bit of a boost with Caleb Farley and with Elijah Molden coming in. And I think that the offense is it has the potential to be as good, which is crazy because you can't look at that and reasonably expect a team that scored north of 30 to do that again, but they got better everywhere outside a right tackle. And I don't know unless, unless Todd Downing stinks, like I don't see what really gets in their way. And that's possible. We don't know what Todd Downing is going to be. We know what he's been in Oakland and how that situation seemed to kind of be hopeless given that they were going to fire that staff anyway and give John Gruden a hundred million dollars over 10 years, which also stupid, but I, you know, I, I'm excited to see what they do. I think they've got a lot of promise. I, everybody's chasing the chiefs and 
they did well to kind of keep up in this arms race with the Browns and the Bills. I just looked it up since you brought him up, too. Vic Beasley is currently a free agent. I thought surely he's not on a roster. But Mike Mayock and John Gruden signed him last year, I think it was. Uh, Mayock probably now on the hot seat. So, Buck, um, the Titans are probably more talented, I think is what you just said. I think they're balanced. The bi- I don't know that they're outright. I mean, they're yeah, probably more balanced. That might balanced. be a good way to put it's it. It's a better team. It's a better team because it has balance. So biggest question mark in your mind of anything that we've talked about so far is what heading into this season? Huh. I would say, I mean, it's still got to be the defense, you know, until such time as we see that it, it's not inept and incompetent as it was a year ago. I think the defense is the biggest unknown. I think that honestly, like I look at Sunday as like Shane Bowen's legit debut. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not just for the purposes of convenience and that I only have the bandwidth for so much football. Like I'm basically just closing the book on 2020 and them, unless such time as the the problems from last year, if they bubble up again, then we know what the root cause is, right? But uh, given all of the crap that went down and what can, what I believe to be a per- perfect storm of bad luck and bad coaching and lack of talent that all combined in a year that was so difficult to navigate, especially if you're a first-year play caller as Bowen was, he was the patsy basically last year, and now they gave him the title. And if if he screws up again, then we know who to blame. And if not, then you can look at this as a uh, as a different in a different light and in a different way as you did a year ago. Because I think Shane Bowen got a bad rap. I mean, this is impossible to know. We're not in the building all the time. But when you go out to practice, how much how much involvement do you see from Jim Schwartz when you're out there? Jim Schwartz, Titans defensive assistant. I mean, not really. He just kind of cruises around practice and like watches stuff. Like I don't I don't really see him do much. Because, uh, you know, obviously when he's out there, that's that's easy retweets and likes if you're putting that on out on Twitter. So you try to target him when he's out sure. there and he's just kind of chilling. He's squatting down. He's watching defensive line drills. He's walking, walking back and forth in front of the linebackers with his arms crossed. He's not vocal, which I know is I don't know Jim Schwartz from his previous time here. But I know Jim Schwartz, the head coach of the Detroit Lions and the defensive coordinator of the Eagles. And that guy is not quiet, mild mannered, backseat type of dude. So what I see at practice is very much uh, in, not indicative of, a, of a, what I think Jim Schwartz is supposed to be. Buck, we know you're busy. Uh, thanks for finishing up your Friday radio part of your day with us. And uh, I know you'll be on the air Sunday at 9 o'clock, and then Blaine and Dyson and me will be on at 10 o'clock, and we'll get people ready to roll for Titans versus Cardinals noon on Sunday. Here we are, football season locked and loaded and ready to go. I can't wait for my first day off in February. <laughs> Amen. See Have you, a buddy. good weekend, Buck. Bye, guys. Uncle Buck Rising, right there uh, again. You can catch him, I think, on every show on the station, and he's got podcasts. He's with A to Z Sports. There's uh, no shortage of Buck. Just drink it all in. Yeah. Just, just take it all in. Enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, there's at least forty percent chance he calls in in the second hour too, just because he wanted to say something. I, I don't know. That's I, the Vegas. I, I think once we cut him loose, he's like so long. <laughs> he's suckers. out of there. I'll I see you guys. So. I hope so for his. Maybe he gets a little bit of a breather now. All right, we come back. We've talked a whole lot about the Titans defense and all the new personnel. And now it's, it's you know, he said Shane Bowen, what did he say? He was a patsy last year. It was his word. Yesterday we Tough asked. word. Yesterday we asked David Beauclair. And I, I don't know if we have this audio, Lucas. might be worth playing when we come back. We asked him. It is on my Twitter, by the way. Uh, and you actually do have that clip, Lucas, because I sent it to you yesterday. Um, him talking about the Titans defensive coordinator situation last year versus this year. But I got two numbers. And it can't get any worse than these two numbers. Here's why I'm optimistic about the defense. I'll share those two numbers with Alex Apple and all okay. of you 
next. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Man, Lucas just getting it done today. Battle of the Badges, that's where we are. Although this year, if, you, if you're new to Nashville, maybe you don't know about this. It's an amazing thing that happens every year, a friendly competition between the Metro Nashville Police Department, Davidson County Sheriff's Office, and the Nashville Fire Department. They see who can collect the most pints of blood. So here's the people who throw themselves in the way of every horrific thing that happens in the world around here. And then they also do this blood drive every year. And, and so many of the people in uniform go roll up their sleeves and they give to uh, their partner this year with the Tennessee Titans and Ascension St. Thomas. They're trying to raise 3,000 pints of blood in honor of those who died on 9-11 20 years ago. If you have been vaccinated, you can still donate blood. They want you to know that. They said there are rumors that you can't, but you can. That's not true. Uh, if you can't join us Friday, they said you can still donate blood at the American Red Cross, Red Cross Blood Donation Center located on Charlotte avenue any blood donated this week goes towards that goal uh two rivers ford making it possible for us to be here and if you would like to come see us if you would like to come and donate 726 west old hickory boulevard cornerstone church is where you come to and does everybody get this t-shirt i mean this is the best looking it's the best looking blood drive t-shirt i've ever seen it is a music city we remember i put it on my instagram alex apple underscore sweet t-shirt i mean that i'd come Donate just for that. It's a nice T-shirt, and you can do a nice thing. You can save lives, uh, and you can just sit and eat a bag of cookies while you do it. They'll give you snacks and everything else. Heck, I've got a cookie that Alex gave me. I'll give you. If you yell at me, I'll drop this cookie down. <laughs> come to upstairs. You. We're upstairs. Come upstairs. I will give you a cookie if you come by here. I, that's my promise to you. Until I run out, cookies available until they run out. All right, two numbers. So this is my optimism for the defense, and it's funny because. The national guys, and Buck Rising was honest, he's like, well, I mean, they're trying to cover 32 teams, and they don't know who's good That's and who not isn't. an excuse. Watch the Titans play. Well, what's their record the last four years? One of the as only good teams, as any team. I mean, 9-7, and 9-7, and 9-7, and 11-5, and five, but they've got playoff wins. They played for an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. They've got a 2,000-yard rusher. They have There's five, only three teams that have winning records each of the last four seasons. Okay, and they're three. one of them. Even if you just looked at records, you'd go. Eh, three other than the Titans. Titans make right. four. Three others. If you just looked at records alone. And when it comes time for I have to look up something for every team or I need to say something about the AFC West or whatever, first thing I do, I go look at things like records. I look at milestone players. Well, Titans have all that. But I don't cut these national guys a break. I mean, I'm, I'm by no means an expert on all 32 NFL teams. But I feel like I could talk articulately about all of them. Especially only, if it was your, I mean, I it was only, your job. That's a half off of – it's not my job, but I play fantasy football. <laughs> well, so you can learn a lot about teams. I mean, you and you don't just learn about the skill position players. You learn about defenses or who to start, when to start your guy. I mean, there's a thousand, there's 50,000 people in Titan Stadium on Sunday that will be the exact same fantasy football, so air quotes, expert. Um, that could, you know, how many of them could talk intelligently about all 30 teams? I don't know. A lot of, but, you're right, though, about fantasy football. But, but a lot I, of GMs out there. For I, don't that world. Cu- I don't cut the national guys a break just because they haven't had a chance to watch the Titans. They're also playing marquee matchups. This is the couple of numbers that I was telling you about. Because when I see these two numbers and I see all the stuff that they did, and, and Lucas, I think you've got the audio from David Beauclair. Um, we ask, I ask him, based, okay, he's working on it. I asked him yesterday about, 
okay, Shane Bowen is undoubtedly now the defensive coordinator. He has no other responsibilities. He's calling the plays. He has all the rights and privileges afforded a defensive coordinator. You think this will clear up the word communication issues, words, that we kept hearing over and over again. And we'll hear from him in just a second from what he said to us yesterday. But here are the two numbers that I don't think can get any worse. Okay. I did. Uh, Luke is telling me he needs an email. I, I did send you the email. Maybe it hasn't sent it's, it. It's on Mickey's Instagram. Okay. I did see that. It's on Mickey's Instagram. Not maybe I'll just like hold my phone up to the microphone. Okay. At Mickey Ryan 104.5. There best you go. follows in the game. Oh, yes. One of the best. Um, here are the two numbers. There's no way that this one can get worse. Here's one of the numbers. 51.9. That was their third down percentage last year. That was the worst in the modern history of the NFL. If it got worse, I'm going to have a lot of gray hairs by the end of the season. Well, some people are going to get... There's going to be some heads rolling. Something has to happen at that point. Right. And I'm not saying they're going to fire Mike Rabel. I'm not saying that. But you would have to do something if you went worse than that. The modern NFL essentially started in 1970. That's the merger. Most modern records. 51 years. you'll You'll hear people say, since the merger... This hasn't happened, or since the merger, this has happened one time. That was 1970, which gets further and further in the rearview mirror. But still, that's 51 years of sample size. It's basically half the lifespan of the – literally, it's half the lifespan of the NFL will get you there. So 1970, uh, I think that's the worst number is 51.9% on third down. Here's the other one, 19. That's how many sacks they had the whole season. And what they get three or four in the last game. Oh, which absolutely skews that number. They were averaging one a game yep. going into that. They were averaging That's one remarkable. a game. remarkable. Considering the proliferation of passing in the NFL right now. People, I mean, Dak Prescott last night dropped back to that 68 times. You can't get him twice? I mean, <laughs> blind squirrels find acorns more often than that. I mean, that just, shoot. You're right. It can't, that cannot get worse. And if it does, if it does, here's what I think happens. I, I think Mike Vrabel's a good head coach. He might be a terrible defensive coordinator. His defense stunk in Houston. His defense stunk last year because he was basically the defensive coordinator. And you would have to tell him, you are not the defensive coordinator if you want to continue to be the head coach of this franchise. I don't know if you run off Shane Bowen in the middle of the year and you bring in Jim Schwartz. That's actually possible. That's probably probable if they play really bad. Well, that, that remember when Jim Schwartz got here, we were like, what in the world are they going to do? And it's like, boy, if things blow up, I mean, they probably still have his nameplate in the building. That was I'm sure the, they can find it pretty quick. Hey, man, your nameplate is actually down here in a drawer. We'll just put it right back on the they door. They were always good when he coached them. Let me hit you with one other thing, and I, maybe I'll flesh this out in the next segment. It's been a, you know. Sound like a hot take. I think Cliff Kingsbury is absolutely the worst head coach in, in the NFL. <laughs> I, I, I went to TCU. I'm a Big 12 guy. I watch all his Texas Tech play teams. They always stunk. He has yet to figure out how to coach defense. His record in the first two years in Arizona, 5-10, and 8-8. Eight and eight. He does a weird thing. I mean, the proliferation of 10 personnel in the NFL is a bit much, even for the air raid. DeAndre Hopkins lines up on the left side of the formation and doesn't move. You want Jack Rabbit to cover him? Line up left. It's that simple, and if I can tell you that, that's way too simple of an offense. Maybe he changes, but I've been watching this guy for a long time, and for people that don't remember, Cliff Kingsbury rose to fame because he was Johnny Manziel's offensive coordinator at Texas A&M. He got the Texas Tech job. He was an alumnus. Uh, his agent did wonders to get a coach that went 5-7, and 6-7, and 5-7 to be the head coach of an NFL franchise two years later. I mean, I, I think the Titans have a coaching advantage, even if Shane Bowen turns out to stink. Because I think Cliff Kingsbury is a terrible head coach. 
Wasn't he fired from Texas Tech? Yes, when he was he got fired the in NFL 35 job? and 40. He was 19 and 35 in the Big 12. In the Big 12. Speaking of that, the Big 12, they found four new members. I can talk to you about that a lot, too. So well, I hope my Horn Frogs still have a conference to play in. Well, when this happened, I, 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 but we don't have, I'm sure we don't have this, because why would I ever be right about anything? But I said I would call BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and Central Florida. And that's, and that, that's a no-brainer. A lot of people said that, but... You can't just sit there and wallow in your despair and let yourself yeah. die a quick, painful death. I mean, do something. So I credit oh, no, them. No question. I credit them and 3HL asked the seminal question yesterday, and I know we got to get to break. It was a great topic, and I loved listening to it as a Big 12 quasi-football fan. Does that still make you Power 5? Is that good enough to hang on? I don't know. And only three, one of those that I'm surprised got the invite was Houston because it's such a Texas league. Yeah. They wanted Houston out. and admit, let them. I mean, Houston might be a good football program now. That might be the school that stands to benefit the most. Totally off topic. Cliff Kingsbury stinks. Eighth biggest city in the country, TV-wise, Houston. Uh, they, I think they averaged 25,000 a game uh, most recently. Now, that's a pandemic. That's skewed numbers. Yeah. But there are, I, there are arguments for and against all the teams. You know, for BYU, the argument was just like, now you're in three time zones. Your league is in three yeah. times. Two is almost And West impossible. Virginia is still an outlier on the east. Yeah. Dana Holgerson, former West Virginia coach, is now Houston's Houston. coach. Yeah. All right, Lucas is still digging for the ter- uh, for the David Beauclair uh, bite. So let's do this. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Hopefully we'll have what David Beauclair said yesterday about the D.C. situation. If not, I'll just listen to it a bunch of times in the break, and I'll quote it myself. Uh, <laughs> also, um, in the second hour of the program, Wes Rucker coming up to talk balls as they've got uh, game two in the Johnny Major Classic this weekend. It's Blaine and Mickey 104.5 The Zone.